Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Let's pray. God, we love you. We honor you. We thank you for your love for us, and thank you for the power and the truth of your Word. Speak to us and encourage us right now in the name of Jesus. We have ears to hear. We have hearts to receive what you want to speak to us this morning. If you agree, say amen. Amen. When I was growing up, we took a lot of family driving vacations. How many of you have ever been on a family driving vacation before? Come on, raise your hand. Family driving vacations. And family driving vacations always seem like a good idea until you actually get in the car with your family. <laughs> My mom's side of the family lived in Sacramento, so a couple times a year we would make that 400-mile drive on the I-5, through the grapevine, through the desert, to Northern California in our Mazda MPV minivan. Those were the days before SUVs. And so when I got to be uh, about, you know, probably 12 years old, kind of the teenage years, my whole goal on a family driving vacation was to go to sleep and sleep as long as possible. For a few reasons. One is that I just wanted to avoid my sister Shannon and my brother Josh. That's my sister Shannon right there. I just, they were fighting all the time. I don't want to put up with that. And I just wanted to get to the destination. Shannon told me the other day, and, and I have no recollection of this, so, but allegedly, according to my sister, on more than one occasion in my sleep, I passed gas <laughs> that was so potent that I woke myself up out of a dead sleep. I'm still not sure I believe that. I think that was probably Josh, but Shannon says it was me. I don't know, but for me, family driving vacations were about enduring the journey instead of enjoying the journey. And I think a lot of us live our lives the same way. I think some of us just endure the journey of life rather than enjoying the journey of life. So the title of my message this morning is Enjoy the Journey. Look at the person next to you. Come on, and elbow them as if they're not, and say, hey, hey, enjoy the journey. Come on, tell them. Tell somebody, enjoy the journey. Do you know that God wants you to enjoy your life? Come on, somebody say Amen. If you don't go to church, that's a good time to say amen, all right? God, I said, God wants you to enjoy your life. Amen. amen. And one of the reasons, friends, is simple. It's because God enjoys life. Do you realize that? God enjoys his creation. And most of all, he enjoys you. Listen to this verse. In Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, some of y'all didn't even know there was a book in the Bible named Zephaniah. <laughs> it's a minor prophet in the Old Testament. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior he is. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. Listen to this phrase. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. That's incredible. The creator of the universe, God Almighty, he is so 
passionately in love with you. He is so interested in your life that he rejoices over you with shouts of joy. That's amazing. You know that Jesus was joyful? He was joyful. People loved being around Jesus. Kids love being around Jesus. Come on, if you're a grumpy old person, kids don't want to be around grumpy old people. They love being around Jesus. One of the reasons, because he was joyful. The Bible says in Luke chapter uh, 10, verse 21, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. That phrase there suggests that Jesus was shouting and leaping with shouts of joy. That's amazing. One of the main reasons that God gave his son, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this planet wasn't just so you and I could receive salvation. It was so you and I could enjoy life. Listen to this, John chapter 10, verse 10, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Let's put it on the screen. Let's read it together. Ready, go. I came that they may have, hold on, hold on a second. There's like two of you, Esther and nobody, all right? Let's all read this together. This is Jesus speaking. Ready, go. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Jesus didn't say, I came so that you could endure life and just barely get by, barely keep your head above water so you can die and then barely make it into heaven. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, that you could live life to the fullest, that you could live life to the max with the volume turned up all the way. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Life is a journey, and it's filled with ups and downs and twists and turns and mountains and valleys and highs and lows and victories and defeats. But I believe that with Jesus, if you know the Lord and if you're connected to him with Jesus, it's not a boring journey. It's an exciting adventure. Does anybody believe that? Am I the only one? If you know the Lord, men and women, you know the, create, the creator of the entire universe. And you walk daily in relationship with him. And he speaks to you. And you feel his love. And you experience his presence. And he fills you with his joy and his peace. He fills you with the power and presence of his spirit so that you can live with purpose and passion. You can advance his kingdom on earth. There is nothing else that has eternal significance other than living for Jesus Christ. It's an exciting adventure. Somebody say amen. And when life on earth ends, then we get to begin eternity with God in heaven forever and ever. My dad called that the great adventure, and it is. It'll be better than any of us could ever even imagine. But the reason, of course, that it's challenging to enjoy the journey is because sometimes life is difficult. <laughs> Marriage is difficult. I, I don't expect any amens. Don't amen. I don't want you getting in trouble, all right? But you know it's true. Marriage is difficult. Parenting is difficult. You could amen that because your kids are in kids' church. Work is difficult. Relationships are difficult. It's difficult if you have a family just to decide where you're going to have lunch. Thank God we're having in and out today so you don't have to get in a fight after church. It's right outside. 
<laughs> You're welcome, Andrew. And for some of us, listen, the holidays are difficult. You got to be around your crazy relatives. All of us have them. You, you don't even really like them, but you got to pretend like you do. <laughs> Sometimes they're difficult because you missed loved ones who have died. And pretty soon you wake up and you realize, I don't have any joy in my life. I'm just going through the motions. I'm just trying to make it through another day. I'm just trying to get by. I'm just enduring life. Life without joy is stressful, it's overwhelming, and it's even hopeless. We have a lot of guests today, so let me, let me talk to you guys for a minute, and I already welcome you guys, and we're honestly really glad that you're here today, and uh, we'd love to have you be part of our church. But my parents, uh, my mom's in the front row, my mom Sherry and my dad uh, Bob started our church, this church, the Cause Church, in January 2005 and the, the founding and lead pastors. My dad uh, died on Saturday, February 20th, about eight months ago, graduated to heaven. And my dad was my hero. <laughs> Every service I got, sorry, I get emotional thinking about him, but he was my hero, he was my mentor, he was my boss, he was my pastor. I've known a lot of great men in my life. Thank God, a lot of them have been in my own family. My dad was the greatest man I've ever met. And yeah, yeah, he's a lot of, a lot of heroes, yeah. So if you're, if you're newer to the church, um, you know, that was about eight months ago. So I, we, we've been, our family and then our church family has been in this season and, and uh, you know, navigating this season. I miss my dad so much. And I, I think about him every, every day. I think about him several times a day. And um, to be just, you know, totally honest and, transparent with you guys for the first time in my life there's part of me that is not looking forward to the holidays and this is my favorite time of the year I love the holidays I love everything about the holidays um, and I've never experienced this before and now I know and now I know what it feels like to uh, have a, a difficult time going into the holiday season you know in, in dealing with loss uh, as, and, and by the way, the other part of that is what's going on just in our own life is that my beautiful wife, Jenny, who's sitting here in the front row looking as beautiful as ever, is 20 weeks pregnant. Uh, so she's about halfway through now. And, um, and that was a surprise because I'm old. I'm 42 years old. And, and, uh, the doctor said, in fact, we have two kids, our daughter's 13, our son's 11, and we always wanted to have three kids, and uh, it, it, it didn't happen, so a couple years ago, we went through the process that maybe some of you have been through and, you know, with doctors and wanting to get pregnant and doing some, trying some different things, and basically, they just said, you guys, are, there's stuff going on in your bodies, you're not going to get pregnant again. Well, they be wrong, <laughs> because we did. Come on, somebody, and I didn't need no help either. I didn't need no pills. Come on, say a good amen. That's what Pastor Tommy Barnett would always say. My mom's walking out. I heard you and dad talk about sex more than once, mom. I did premarital with my parents and they were talking about sex. That was uncomfortable and awkward. What the heck? And so this, you know, this time in season that you know, should be really joyful has been tough. It's been hard. Uh, 
and I feel, feel bad, sorry, I feel a little bit bad for Jenny, you know, because I'm doing my best. This past week, I was, dropped my kids off from school, and I'm, I'm driving home, <laughs> there's this one part on my way home, I'm kind of going down this hill, and I don't know why, but every time I get this part, I think about my dad, I don't, I don't know why, just my, every time. Think about my dad. So I just think about my dad. Half the time, especially if I'm by myself and Jenny's not with me, I start crying in the car because I miss my dad, thinking about him, praying. And I, I heard my dad's voice, but I knew it was the Lord. Anybody know what I'm, what I'm talking about? I, I know it was God, but I heard it in my dad's voice. And... The Lord said to me, John, enjoy your life. Move, sorry, move forward and enjoy your life. Enjoy Jenny. Enjoy your kids. Enjoy this new baby. Enjoy the church. Enjoy this new season. And I know my dad, my dad was standing here right now. That is exactly what he would tell me. He'd look me in the eye and say, don't be crippled with sorrow and grief. Enjoy your life and move forward. And I felt, I felt that there was not just God's voice that I heard, but I felt a, a change in my heart, that God is doing something in my heart and bringing healing. Listen to this verse, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 13. This is amazing. God says, I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and exchange their sorrow for rejoicing. That's a promise I'm going to hold on to. God wants to do that in my life, and he wants to do it in yours, to turn your mourning into rejoicing. Some of you have been in mourning for a while. God wants to turn that, men and women, into rejoicing. You and I have a fundamental need for joy in our lives. And ask yourself a question right now. How am I doing on a scale of 1 to 10 with joy in my life? My guess is that almost all of us could use a little bit more joy. In fact, studies have shown that the more joy that we have in our lives, the more productive we are. There's some corporations that actually hire joy consultants to try to build joy into their employees' lives. I have no idea what they do. That'd be interesting. But th so they can be more productive because if you're joyful, you'll have more energy, you'll have more creativity, you'll have more productivity when you have joy in your life. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. This is, this is a great promise. Let's put it on the screen. Let's read it together. Ready, go. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on, put your hand on your heart. And say, the joy of the Lord, the of the Lord is, my is my strength. Say it again. Say, the joy of the Lord, the of the Lord is, my is my strength. Some of y'all still look grumpy, so I'm going to make you say it one more time, all right? Come on, say it once more. The joy of the Lord, the of the Lord is my strength. What a great promise. What a great promise. Notice that the phrase there, by the way, the joy of the Lord, because joy comes from the Lord. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And notice the connection between joy and strength. Because joy does come from the Lord and provides us with the spiritual strength that all of us need to face any and every situation in our lives. Joy, by the way, does not mean feeling good all the time. 
that's not possible even for the most optimistic of people. Here's a great biblical definition of joy from Kay Warren. Kay Warren is Pastor Rick Warren's wife, and she actually wrote a book called Choose Joy shortly after the loss of their, uh, one of their adult children, Matthew, who, who took his own life. And listen to this. This is the best definition of joy I've ever heard. She, she writes, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. That's amazing. Leave that up there for a minute, media team. Notice there's nothing in there about happy feelings because happiness is fleeting and temporary. When your favorite sports team's sports team wins, you're happy. Come on, go Rams. Watch some football today. When you, uh, when you go shopping and you find a great deal on a super cute outfit, ladies, come on, help me preach. You're happy until your husband sees the bill and then nobody's happy. <laughs> when you eat a delicious double-double from in and out, you're happy. I'm getting hungry. I need to wrap up this message. But happiness comes from circumstances or, or what is happening, but joy comes from the Lord. If you think that joy is some kind of characteristic for a naturally upbeat, cheerful, optimistic person, and you're just not the joyful type, you be wrong. Because here's the bottom line. Joy is a decision. Joy is a determined decision. As we just read, to praise God in any situation. Let me say this as clear as I can, and I say this with love, but this is the truth. And, and when I learned this, this kind of smacked me upside the head. You are as joyful right now as you choose to be. You're as joyful right now, men and women, as you choose to be. And we can choose joy by faith in the midst of every situation. As the old preacher says, make the choice to rejoice. Make the choice to rejoice. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Philippians. We're going to look at a few verses there in Philippians. The book of Philippians is only four chapters long, but the word joy is used 16 times. It's one of the most optimistic books in all of the Bible. It was written by a man named Paul, who was, who was not, by the way, didn't write this letter. It's actually a letter to the church in Philippi. He didn't write the letter in a joyful, in a seemingly joyful situation of his life. He didn't write it while he was on vacation or in Hawaii or even on a family driving vacation. He wrote it while he was in prison in Rome for simply preaching the gospel about Jesus, doing what the Lord had called him to do. And yet, in the darkest days of his life, he writes maybe the most positive book in all the Bible. Thank God that none of us are in a physical prison like Paul today, but some of us are in a different kind of prison facing the darkest days of our lives right now. And I want to let you know, whatever situation you find yourself in, there is hope. There is hope. And having joy in your life is possible. And Paul gives us at least six things that we're going to look at briefly, six joy builders that will help us to enjoy the journey. I put them in an acrostic, the word joyful, to maybe make it a little bit easier to remember. Let me tell you how to enjoy the journey. 
how to be joyful. Number one is this. Jesus is the source of joy. Jesus is the source of joy. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Sounds like a song we just sang a few minutes ago, doesn't it? Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 says, For to me, to live is Christ. He is my source of joy, my reason to live, and to die is gain, for I will be with him in eternity. What is the primary source of joy in your life? Is it your career? Is it your wealth? Is it your spouse? Is it your kids? Is it your hobbies? Is it your social media influence? All these things might provide temporary happiness, but they can't provide lasting joy because anything in anyone besides Jesus will eventually let you down. It, it, it took me actually a couple of years. It shows you how, you know, maybe dumb I am. I don't know, but it took me a couple of years to come to this realization that as amazing and wonderful and great as my wife Jenny is, and she is, she's better than what I deserve. She is not my source of joy. Jesus is. It's not, it's not my wife's job, and it's not your spouse's job, men and women, to bring joy in your life. Jesus needs to be your source. Jesus said in John 15, 11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. The closer you are to Jesus, the more joy you're going to have in your life. He's your source. Number two is this, omit worries about your future. Come on. Cut me a little bit of slack. If you're going to give an acrostic, you got to stretch it a little bit sometimes. <laughs> omit. Omit. Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him. There's a key. Hold on to that. Thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Worry is a great thief of joy. It's a kill joy because instead of being present, instead of being able to enjoy this moment, you're worried about something that might happen in the future. Some of you aren't even enjoying, enjoying this right now because you're worried about some big meeting that you're going to have this week. You can either worry about it or you can pray about it. You can either stress about it or you can surrender it to the Lord. Psalm chapter 118, verse 24 says, This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Anybody, if you grew up in church, maybe you remember that old song. This is the day, this is the day. Come on, if you know it, sing it with me. That the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice I will rejoice and be glad. I'm laughing because you guys are the quietest of all the services. Because some of y'all haven't been, ever been in church. You don't know what you're singing. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Come on, give your pastor a round of applause. I'm doing my best. I sing in one note, B flat. <laughs> Grandma Pat taught me that song. I remember growing up, Grandma Pat would walk around the house singing that song. She had a beautiful singing voice, still does. This is the day. Men and women, this is the day. 
It doesn't say tomorrow's a day. It doesn't say when, when X, Y, and Z gets fixed and I have perfect circumstances. No, this is the day that the Lord has made. <laughs> Number three is this. Number three is yield in humility. Yield in humility. If you want to be joyful, yield in humility. The word yield means to surrender or submit. Philippians chapter two, verses five through eight, Paul writes one of the most deep theological statements about Jesus in all of the Bible. He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Credible. If, if Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, if he humbled himself, you and I need to humble ourselves as well. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, the Sermon on the Mount, the Amplified, which adds kind of some um, definition to words. It says, Jesus said, blessed, happy to be envied, spiritually prosperous with life joy and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble, who rate themselves insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, Jesus is simply saying, if you want to be happy, be humble. The secret of joy is humility. In fact, the words human, humanity, humor, humility, <coughs> they all come from the same root word. Humility, in essence, is being in touch with your own humanity. In other words, it's having a realistic view of both your strengths and your weaknesses. And humility also, by the way, is not taking yourself too seriously. Hum humble people can laugh at themselves. Humble people have a good sense of humor. Some of y'all, I don't know what happened, but either you never found a sense of humor or you lost it along the way. Go find one, go buy one on eBay, I don't know. Get a sense of humor. One of the things that people loved about my dad is that he laughed at himself. My dad would make himself laugh. He would laugh at things that nobody else thought were funny. I thought they were funny. I tried to do the same. You know something? Prideful people are often humorless people. It's because they're too impressed with themselves. <laughs> or they're too insecure to let down and laugh at themselves. Humility and laughter go hand in hand. Friends, you can't be joyful, I don't think you can, without laughter. If you want more joy in your life, then laugh. Come on. Hey, and another thing, since we're on this topic, smile also. <laughs> smile. Even if you only got one good tooth, then smile and show it off. Come on, look at the person next to you and smile right now. Even if it's your spouse, it's still a little bit awkward, isn't it? <laughs> but smile. Smile and laugh. Listen to this verse, Isaiah 29, verse 19. The humble will be filled with fresh joy from the Lord. I like that. The humble will be filled with fresh joy. When you walk in humble dependence upon the Lord, your stress goes down and your joy goes up. 
your stress goes down and your joy goes up. Some of us, maybe including myself, not maybe, definitely including myself, we need to resign as general manager of the universe because we stink at it and it's stressing us out and it's stealing our joy. Come on, that's God's job. Let God be God. Number four is this. Number four, if you're gonna be joyful, number four, focus on what is good. Focus on what is good. A couple years ago, I went and got my hair cut. I went to a new place I hadn't been, and, and so I sit down, this young gal's cutting my hair. <laughs> I've never met, met her before in my life. A few minutes in, she's talking to me, and she says, you know you're going bald in the back of your head, don't you? It's the first time I've heard anybody say it. I said, no, I, actually, I, I didn't. Thanks, thanks for telling me. By the way, am I going bald in the back of my head? Here, zoom in on my head real, real quick. Am I? No, yes? All right, that's what she told me. Now I'm, now I'm self-conscious about this. No, I'm just kidding. And uh, I said, okay, all right, well, thanks for letting me know. She said, oh, and you're going bald in the front, too. <laughs> I said, oh, all right, well, thanks. And uh, then she says, she's cut my hair, she says, you know your hair's really thin, right? And I, I did know that. I said, yeah, well, I, I, yes, I, I did know that. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to say? You know, it's like, <laughs> then she said, she said, she, or she asked me, she said, do you wear hats a lot? And I said, yeah, I love wearing hats. I wear hats all the time. She said, well, you should stop wearing hats. I'm like, really, why? And she said, because it's making you bald. <laughs> and at this point, I'm a pastor, but come on, I'm getting a little bit irritated. And I said, lady, I said, my dermatologist told me that I should wear a hat everywhere I go all the time. I said, do you see how pale and white I am? He told me I should never even walk out in the sun again for the rest of my life. I walked out of there with a bad haircut and feeling bad about myself. <laughs> Come on, listen, you have a choice, we have a choice. Are you gonna focus on the good or the bad? Are you going to focus on the positive or the negative? Because where your focus goes, there your thoughts go. And where your thoughts go, your emotions go as well. So listen, if you choose to focus on all your problems and all your failures and all your hurts and all your mistakes, then of course you're going to be miserable. Listen to what Paul says. He says, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Sorry, that was the, the in and out in the Starbucks right there. Excuse me. In other words, refuse to let your problems become the focus of your life. Listen, I, I, I say this in love, but men and women, some of us in here, we are so focused on our problems, and that's why we don't have joy. I, your, your problem is not always your problem. How you see your problem is your problem. So stop focusing on your problems and instead focus on God, the source of joy and his goodness towards you and his love for you and his plans and his purpose for your life and the promises that he has in his word for you. And also, by the way, focus on other people, which leads me to point number five, use your life to help others. Use your life to help others. Here's another acrostic, J-O-Y. 
Jesus others you. Jesus others you. If you want to have joy, Jesus others you. Some of you are thinking, why didn't you use that acrostic, Pastor John? I'd be eating a double-double by now. I don't know. Good point. I don't... If you can live your life in, in, in order of those priorities, you'll have joy. Promise too many of that, too many of us flip that on our head. And it's all about me and then other people, and then Jesus is somewhere down there. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy. You are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. You hear Paul's sincerity in those words. Paul was joyful because he was unselfish. He invested his life into other people. And if you want to have continuous joy in your life, then give your life away. Serve somebody else, minister to somebody else, love somebody else. The nature of being sad, unhappy, discouraged, depressed is that it's all inward focused. It's all, all you're thinking about is me, 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 me. Jesus teaches us to be outward focused. And he says, if you want to have joy, then think about other people and serve other people. If you're battling, by the way, any of those things, then get out of your house and go help somebody else. The more unselfish you become, the more joyful you will be. Here's point number six, last point, and we'll close. If you want to enjoy the journey, if you want to be joyful in your life, number six, learn to be content. Learn to be content. This is a, a difficult thing in our world and in a social media-driven culture. I know we've got a lot of young people in here right now, but learn to be content. Too many of us, because of social media and the people we follow, we're following entertainers, we're following influencers, we're following athletes, we're following friends and family, strangers, and people we don't know that we don't really care about, they don't care about us. And what do we see all the time? They're posting pictures about their expensive vacations that they're on. They're in Hawaii on the beach taking pictures of their toes and posting it on social media. Or they're taking pictures of their you know, nice meals that they're eating at whatever restaurant they're at, or they're taking pictures of their house that they just renovated. Uh, they bought for like $5,000 and it's 50,000 square feet in Tennessee. Come on. And everybody's moving out of California and moving to Tennessee and put, putting pictures on social media. We start getting irritated. Most of what we see on social media, by the way, is just not even true. It's false. It's a false reality. All you're seeing is the highlights of people's lives. They're not putting the things that make them miserable. A lot of it is image. Come on, even some of the, the profile pictures that you see of people, they're not accurate. That picture was taken 40 years ago when you were 40 pounds lighter. Your picture of your Aunt Sally, she don't look like that anymore. She looks more like Chewbacca. Come on, somebody. I actually have an Aunt Sally, my mom's sister. <laughs> Anyways, I hope she doesn't see this message. I'm going to be in big trouble later. We see all this stuff on social media, and what do we do? We start to compare ourselves. And instead of being thankful for what God has blessed us with, all of a sudden, we're not thankful anymore. We're jealous. We're envious. We're frustrated. You might even be a little bit upset. Come on. You're discontented. Steals your joy. If you want more joy, look, I'm not anti-social media. I just talk about it a lot because I know what it does to people. If you want more joy in your life, then just get off social media. And instead of all the time that you're spending on social media, spend that time with the Lord. 
Open up the word of God. Open up the book of Psalms. Let him speak to you. Listen to his voice and pray. All right, I'm trying to tell, I'm trying to help somebody. Listen, I have always, I've always had a little bit of a hard time with joy in my life. You can ask Jenny, I hope I'm getting better. I think I am. But, you know, just one of those kind of personality things. I don't know, there's some of you that maybe, you know, you, you, you kind of, maybe you're a little bit of a perfectionist. You're kind of driven. And, and so no matter what you do, it's not good enough. It doesn't meet your expectations. Well, friends, there, there's part of that that can be good, but there's part of that that's not good. Because then you're never really happy, and if you're not careful, then you're never really joyful. Because your thinking is when and then. When this happens, then I'll be joyful. When I go to college and get a degree, then I'll be joyful. When I get a career, then I'll be joyful. When I meet that right person, then I'll be joyful. When I get married, then I'll be joyful. When we have a kid, then I'll be joyful. When we have another kid, then I'll be joyful. When my kids get out of the house, <laughs> then I'll be joyful. When I can retire, then I'll be joyful. When I can travel, then I'll be joyful. If you keep going down that road, you realize, finally, when I'm, when I'm dead, I guess, then I'll be joyful. You'll never be joyful. Friends, learn to enjoy the journey right now. Enjoy this moment right now. Look at, listen, parents with young children. We've got some young kids right up here. I, I'm going back to those days again. Be present. Put your phone away when you're with your kids. When your two-year-old is running around, lighting stuff on fire. Come on. Be, enjoy the journey. Put the fire out and then laugh about it. The Bible says in Psalm 127, children are a gift from the Lord. I've thought many times, God, I want to return this gift to you. <laughs> Can I return this? Give me prophecy. Give me something else. The days feel long as a parent, but the years feel short. I'm thankful, actually, that God's given us one more because I miss those little days like that. Changing, I don't know that I'll miss changing diapers, but time goes by quickly. Listen, parents, and you don't get those days back. Once they're gone, they're gone. So guess what? You might as well enjoy the journey. You might as well enjoy the journey because every season of life, every season of parenting has some good things about it, but it has some challenges. But if it just went and then, when they get out of diapers, when they start walking, then I'll be joyful. You'll never be joyful. And you'll have missed an entire gift that God wanted to give you. Come on, somebody. Is this help, helping anybody? All right. Let me close. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. He says, I have learned how to be content. You know, that's encouraging to me because Paul was one of the greatest men who ever lived. He met Jesus and his life was changed. But even Paul, even this great man of God, he said, I had to learn how to be content. So if, if he can learn it, I can learn it too. He said, I learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty with plenty or little. Verse 13, one of the great promises in all the Bible, for I can do everything. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Church, are you joyful? 
Are you enjoying life or are you just enduring life? No matter what season of life you're in, no matter what difficulty you're facing, no matter what challenge you're facing, no matter what your circumstances are right now, you can choose to be joyful. The joy of the Lord can be your strength. You can enjoy the journey. You can enjoy the journey. Would you close your eyes just for a moment? If you're here today, and, and, and this is just private, maybe you're watching online too, this applies to you, but just with your, your eyes closed, but if you're here to, today and you say, John, I'm having a hard time being joyful, whatever the reason is, if I were listening to this message, my hand would be up too. Would you just lift your hand for a moment? You don't need to look at me, but just raise your hand because I want to pray for you right now. You just, you're having a hard time being joyful. You want me to pray for you today. A lot of hands going up. Why don't you just put your hand down, put your hand back on your heart again. And you don't need to say this out loud, but just in your heart to the Lord, you can say this right now. Just say, God, <clears throat> thank you for loving me. I want to be joyful. I choose to rejoice. I make the choice to rejoice. And Lord, I declare today again that you are my joy that you are my joy. I pray, God, that the joy of the Lord would be my strength. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in here, maybe watching at home right now. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that joy would come into our hearts and that sadness and depression and grief and mourning and pain and hurt would be pushed out. I pray that your peace and your joy would fill our hearts, God. Lord, I declare that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It is their strength, it is my strength, it is our strength. Our strength and our help comes from you. You are our joy. And Lord, we fix our eyes and our heart on you. Thank you for joy. We receive it by faith today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You can open up your eyes just for one, one more moment. We'll be out of here. We're almost done. <clears throat> Stop laughing. Some of you are laughing. I am almost done. God loves you so much. What an amazing truth. He rejoices over you. Shouts of joy. He loves you so much. Loves you more than words can describe. I mean, I could use a thousand words and... and until you experience. You know, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words, experience his love and his mercy and his kindness and his grace and his peace and his presence for yourself. Taste and see that God is good. He loves you so much. Jesus said, for God so loves you, he so loves the world, that whoever, that means it's an open invitation to you and to me, whoever believes in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, that means to put your faith, your trust in Jesus, will not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus came to give us abundant and eternal life so we could have and enjoy life and have it overflowing, men and women. The best kind of life possible. That's why Jesus came. That's why Pastor Junior reminded us a few minutes ago of the precious blood that he shed for us on the cross. Nothing can wash away your sin, your rebellion, your failures, your mistakes other than the blood of Jesus. Friends, I'm just like you. I'm a sinner who needs a savior. And that's why Jesus came. That's why he lived. 
That's why he died. That's why he rose again so that you and I could have abundant and eternal life. And guess what? Nobody else can make that decision for you. I'm glad you're at church today. I hope you come back, even if you're visiting. But just being at church today, that doesn't make you a Christian or a Jesus follower. You have to make a choice that you're going to surrender your life to him. In other words, you're going to say, Jesus, come into my life, and I want to live for you. That's what it means when you say, he's my Lord. Jesus, save me from my sins because I need you. I can't do it on my own. Be my Savior. I want to give you that opportunity right now. Today's the day of salvation, the Bible says. Today's the day. You're the person. If you make the choice, then God will make the change. But you have to make the choice first. I want to give you that opportunity right now. Maybe you've never made that decision before. Most important decision you could ever make. Maybe you've walked away from the Lord, but you want to come back to Him. By the way, friends, let me just say one other thing. Every single one of us will live for eternity. Every single one of us will. Eternity with God is called heaven. That's the great adventure. Eternity separated from God is called hell, and that's not meant for you and I. God created us to spend eternity with him, to be in heaven with him forever and ever, but to walk with him in this life in relationship. Would you close your eyes right now? And and if you say, John, I've never made that decision before, but I want to today. Or maybe I prayed a prayer, but I'm coming back to the Lord today. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and make eye contact with me. I'm going to see you. I will agree with you. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. I won't make you say anything. But I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. But I want to see you and agree with you because there's power in agreement. Jesus says where two or more agree, it is done in heaven. And so I want to give you that opportunity right now. On the count of three, raise your hand. One two, three. Lift your hand and hold it high. I see you, friend. I know you. Young man in the, in the white, look at me. I see you. Yep. I see you, sir, right there in the red. Thank you. I see you, young man. I know you. I know you, your mom and dad. I see you, young man over there. Thank you. I see a hand in the back. Thank you so much. Anybody else here? I see a lady in the back. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else here today? I see you, young man. Thank you. So good, man. That's so awesome. The Bible says Bible says when one person, when one sinner repents, when one, when one sinner comes to Jesus, that all of the angels in heaven rejoice. That's so awesome. <laughs> there is joy in heaven right now in this moment. I want to lead all of us. There are several people who are responding this morning. I want to lead all of us, but especially for those responding in a prayer of salvation and confession. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I want to invite you to repeat this prayer after me, a phrase at a time. Let's pray it loud and strong this morning, church. Pastor Junior, you can come up and get ready to close. Repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of all of my sin. Right now, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, be my Lord and be my Savior. I renounce every work of the devil in my life. Lord, make me a new person. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your joy. I declare that heaven is my home. And I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 church. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause, or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc, or call 303-690-3000.
714-255-0930.